Hello, everyone. Today, you'll be listening to my podcast, which will be discussing the polio epidemic and the creation of a vaccine to combat the polio um, epidemic and the process of that, how the public responded to it, um, and the use of the vaccine then and now. Um, Enjoy. Poliomyelitis, often shortened to polio, is an infectious disease that has been around for thousands of years. Throughout human history, we've seen a number of outbreaks that have plagued communities and killed many throughout the world. However, in terms of the United States, in the 1940s, we saw the biggest outbreak of concentrated cases ever of the polio virus. Polio is a disease that is often disabling and can result in death. The polio virus spreads from person to person, often through fecal matter, and can infect a person's spinal cord, causing paralysis, which means they cannot move parts of their body. In the late 1940s, outbreaks of polio became more rampant and larger, disabling more than 35,000 Americans a year on average. Because the virus targets children, many parents wouldn't allow their children to leave the house, especially during the summer where cases often peaked. Business, travel, and livelihoods all greatly suffered, as many stayed in their houses. Quarantines were created by public health officials on homes where polio had plagued people, as well as entire towns, if the outbreaks in those towns were uncontrollable. Cases peaked in the United States in 1952, as we saw 57,879 cases, which led to 3,145 deaths, which means a 5.4% death rate. Those who suffered from the disease were often regulated to couches and beds, and sometimes even wheelchairs or crutches. Many people were, that suffered from the disease were put into an iron lung, which is a large tank respirator that would pull air in and out of lungs, which facilitates the breathing process for them. One of the children ravaged by the polio virus was my grandpa, who I was able to talk to for a bit regarding his experiences. In this first clip, he talks about him walking home from school when he first felt symptoms and how he reacted. Little houses on it, little Cape Cod, and she was uh, planning this, and she looked up, and I was like walking all over the place, and she yelled up to me, are you all right? And I remember like she was far, far away in, in my head, and I said, no. And she came up and then grabbed my arm and then took me home and put me in bed, laid me down, took my temperature, and my temperature at that time, I think, was, I don't know, 103, 104. And, uh, yeah, and then, then um, I started hallucinating, and I thought I was dying, so... uh I was talking to God, and, uh, you know, because when you're that age, you know, you, you don't have any fear at all of, uh, you just automatically uh, figure you're going to heaven, you know? Yeah, so, no. uh And then she took it again, it went, kept spiking, she called the doctor, and then she, um, my father um, was... Uh, In this next clip... My grandpa discussed how he thinks he got the polio virus. In cellars. And you'd sell them to the junkie. And if you had 100 pounds of old newspaper, you got a dollar. They paid a penny a pound. Okay. Wait, yeah. Yeah, a penny a pound. So yeah. um, I still remember the figure. It was like 360-something pounds of paper that I had collected. But I had the terrible habit of biting my nails. And and when you go in cellars and you get these papers, mice and and rats are in cellars and they urinate and defecate 
on these uh, papers. And when I'm handling the papers and then bite my nails, they thought that they traced it. In this final clip, he breaks down an experience of his in the hospital while dealing with polio. And I remember the wheeling me into this room and, uh, you know, they I was in the room and then they um, transferred me to this place called Sunshine Cottage. It was near that the hospital and they had had me on a gurney and they brought me across and they brought me into this place. And um, I wound up uh, staying there for almost two months. And uh, I remember, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, there was uh, iron lungs in there. Okay. And there was a, yeah, and there was um, a guy um, older than me next to the bed and they had, they moved his bed and uh, I was there and then uh, I was, I didn't want them to leave and they said, no, you have to leave. You can't stay here. This is quarantine. So they started um, when I couldn't walk and uh, my legs, my whole body felt weak and yeah. um you know, I was in and out of consciousness, and then um, I uh, remember um, the kid next, two doors down or whatever, two, he was in an iron lung, and I was terrified that I was going to have to go in there. Obviously, experiences like these are traumatic for anyone, especially a 10-year-old boy like my grandpa at the time. Luckily, vaccines were being produced. Before the outbreak in the, uh, the 1940s and 50s, multiple sets of teams were working together in hopes of finding a polio vaccine. Uh, two separate doctors created their vaccines and you know, tested on themselves, animals, and thousands of children. The results of these vaccines were um, rather miserable as several subjects died, many fell ill, and um, some became paralyzed as well. After years of outrage, confusion, unnecessary deaths, and failed tests, a doctor from the University of Pittsburgh named Jonas Salk began to develop a method of cultivating poliovirus in monkey kidney tissue. Uh, among Salk and his team, this method inspired a lot of confidence in the progression of the vaccine. Within the next year, um, Salk and his team, with the support of the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, began tests on humans. Um, test subjects included resident children in institutions for the physically and intellectually disabled. In his trials, Salk tested vaccines for all three poliovirus strains. The findings showed that the recipients of the vaccine produced antibodies of the strain of the vaccine that they were given. Following these tests, um, there was a lot of madness and confusion that came about for Americans. Um, many were told that a vaccine was actually ready, which Salk quickly refuted. Uh, having said on the radio, quote, there will be no vaccine available for widespread use for the next polio season. Saul quickly became a household name, but America's confidence in him didn't go without opposition. Other researchers and scientists claimed that Salk's vaccine would fail to give long-term polio protection and that there were inherent dangers in Salk's vaccine. In this same year of 1953, Salk took a risk on him and his loved ones and gave the vaccine to himself, his wife, and their three sons. Regarding this decision, Salk said, quote, it is courage based on confidence, not daring, and it is confidence based on experience. In April of 1954, the Vaccine Advisory Committee approved a field test of Salk's polio vaccine. Within a day of this approval, thousands of school children were vaccinated. 
In total, 1.3 million children were part of the trials, with some receiving the vaccine, others receiving a placebo, and a smaller group that received no injection. This double-blinded test took almost a year to analyze and to see whether this vaccine was truly the answer to providing protection against polio. About a year following the approval of the trial, a group of doctors announced the results of the Salk vaccine trial. The vaccine, to their findings, was 80 to 90% effective against polio. The next day, Salk's vaccine was approved by the U.S. government, which paved the way for distribution and injections of the vaccine. It wasn't all pretty following the approval of the vaccine, as there were multiple instances in which vaccinated children began to have paralysis in their vaccinated arms, which was something that would not happen prior to the vaccine being used. It was discovered that these cases all had one thing in common. The vaccine these children received was produced by Cutter Laboratories in California. Following the Cutter incident, public health officials put changes and guidelines into place to hopefully prevent the problems that occurred from happening in the future. Manufacturers now were required to have more testing and to take more time to ensure the safety of their vaccine. Not long after this, polio vaccination was suspended for a short while so the U.S. Surgeon General could investigate the safety of the vaccines being given out. Although never 100% confirmed, it is likely the mishaps of various vaccines, which resulted in 11 deaths and hundreds of paralyzations, were because they didn't follow Salk's directions. As Salk's vaccine was being widely used in the U.S., Albert Sabin, a Polish-American researcher, was producing a cheaper alternative to Salk's in the Soviet Union. Sabin's oral vaccine was fed to over 100 million Soviet children. The main difference between these two trials is that in Sabin's trials, there was no unvaccinated control group. Sabin's vaccine, called the OPV, had a number of advantages over Salk's IPV, such as a faster immune response and it was easier to, to give out. However, Salk maintained one advantage, as the viruses in IPV cannot revert to virulent forms, while the viruses in OPV can. The advantages of both were heavily weighed weighed by medical professionals around the world. By 1960, Sabin's vaccine was approved in the U.S. In 1963, a version of Sabin's vaccine that protected against all three types of polio was licensed and available for distribution. Sabin's vaccine began to be come preferred, and by 1968, Salk's IPV vaccine was almost completely phased out, which would be the case for almost 30 years. Salk's contributions to society were not unnoticed, as he was heavily revered by many and received a number of awards. Throughout the 1980s, there were goals set to eradicate polio and free the United States of any concerns regarding the virus. By 1994, polio was declared eliminated from the Americas. In the late 90s, the country started to shift back to Salk's IPV, as there were around 8 to 10 cases a year that derived from faulty OPV vaccines. By 2000, the transition was complete, and IPVs were again the only vaccine being used. Over the past few decades, great efforts have been made in attempts to assist underprivileged nations in their fights with polio. For instance, health health workers were able to vaccinate 134 million people in one day in India. By 2002, polio was eliminated in Europe. While there have been small outbreaks of polio in certain countries, like Syria during the heat of its civil war, polio has become very controlled. In 2017, only 22 cases of the virus were distinguished worldwide. Today in the United States, most people receive four injections of the polio vaccine throughout their childhood, which provides them with nearly 100% immunity against the virus. 
Over 93% of Americans below the age of 35 have received at least three doses of the polio vaccine. The polio vaccine is required in the U.S. for a number of activities and places. In a number of states, immunization is required to begin schooling. The contributions made by Jonas Salk, Albert Sabin, and the many other medical heroes to the fight against polio have saved countless lives and help ensure that kids today wouldn't suffer the same fate as my grandpa.